Um, today is Friday, February 2nd, uh, 2018, and this is the Fiction Old and New Book Group. And tonight we're discussing America's First Daughter by Stephanie Dre and Laura Kamoy. So here's a little information about the authors. Um, Stephanie Dre has written historical fiction novels, and her works have been translated into eight languages. Before she started writing novels, she worked as a lawyer and a teacher. She lives in Washington, D.C. with her husband, her cats, and her history books. Um, Laura Kamoy has written under the name Laura Kay. She has a Ph.D. in early American history from the College of William and Mary and has taught at the U.S. Naval Academy. She lives in Annapolis, Maryland with her husband and two daughters. And these two authors are working on a new novel now called My Dear Hamilton about Elizabeth Schuyler Hamilton, which should be published, you know, hopefully, I think I read either this year or next year. So why don't we go around and see what everybody thought of the book? It seems like I always start by saying what an outstanding book, but I'm going to say it. If some of you didn't like it, uh, you know, that's your privilege. But I thought it was uh, well read, number one. The reader became Patsy Jefferson or Martha Jefferson. Uh, And it was just uh, really documenting pretty well. I want to see what Don, who's a really historical expert, I hope uh, thinks about the accuracy, but a lot of it was, I mean, Jefferson was in France when the Constitution was written. Um, we can talk about his views on slavery, but certainly I'll just only end with this. Uh, when President Kennedy had um, all the, the leading artsy and scientists for dinner, you know, uh, who was the guy, Cassell, Pablo Cassell, and, you know, the cello guy and everything. And he said, well, the last time we had a dinner like this was when Thomas Jefferson dined alone. I, before I, I finished the prologue of the book, I knew that I was going to like this book. In my mind's eye, I was actually sitting on the other side of the room watching Patsy as she held the letters to the flame of the candle and watched them burn until they were nearly to her fingers when she would drop them into a little tray there for the ashes. And she looked at me, and she was just telling me her family history, her story from each letter that she that she read. And she was trying to mold our view of her father by eliminating things that she thought that her father would really not like for us to know about him. And so she was was there sitting right in front of my mind's eyes through the whole book. I read this book probably about, oh, about six months ago when it first came out, and I loved it. It just, it was so well written and very fascinating. It just, it held my attention the whole time and just brought to light a lot of things that I hadn't known and it was just such a great book. 
I loved this book as well. Um, it was very captivating. It was one of those that, um, even as long as it was when it was over, it was kind of sad. I, I just, it was fascinating. And I, I really, this is one of my favorite parts of American history anyway, but wow, it was a great choice. Um, well, first of all, hi, Liz. Thanks for being here. Um, I, I really like the book also. Um, I thought it moved along really quickly. Um, I was a little intimidated when I saw that it was 22 hours. I thought, oh, you know, if it's a slow book, that's, it's going to feel like a very long time. But it actually moved along really quickly. Um, you know, there was a lot going on in her life. <laughs> she had, she had a, lot of, a lot of crises and, and a lot of family situations. And it, it, it really, you know, she, kinda, she sort of had a very full life. Um, I even like the end when, um, what was it, President... President Andrew Jackson came and, and saw her. I, I wasn't even expecting that. Um, there's a lot of really interesting issues that we could talk about. Um, one thing I would love to hear uh, people's opinions about later is um, the issue about Sally and her brother James Hemmings and how they could have petitioned to become free when they were living in, in France. Um, they were there as slaves uh, of, of Thomas Jefferson, and he made an arrangement with them that they could come home and that uh, Sally's children would be free when they became 21 years old, which we saw what happened as it went along, and that James could, would be free if he trained somebody else to be the, the family cook. But, you know, I, I guess looking at it from modern eyes, you think, well, you know, they were in France. They should have taken advantage of this opportunity and petitioned for their freedom. Um, but you have to look at it within the context of the time and, and what their choices were. I, I still don't know that they made the right choice, but I thought it was one of the many interesting issues that, that was brought up in the story. Hi. Uh, I, I like the book, too. My problem was I, I didn't time it right, and uh, you know, I, I was on the road, and I, I didn't finish it. I I'm, I'm only got like six hours into it, but I thoroughly enjoyed the part that I read. Uh, I'm up to the point where they're just getting ready to return from France, and I guess he's going to become Secretary of State, I guess, because I believe that was around 1790, if memory serves. <laughs> if it was presented correctly in the uh, the musical Hamilton and stuff, anyway. But uh, uh, I, I really, I, I'm really enjoying the parts I've, I've read so far, and uh, I'm, I'm really going to read the, uh, the book that they're going to come out with on uh, uh, Eliza Schuyler Hamilton, because... Uh, uh, I want to read, and I really enjoyed the podcast, Michelle. So thanks for sending that link. But uh, my my apologies for not finishing it. Like I said, I I just didn't time it right, and I got called away. So uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody has to say about it. And don't worry about spoilers or anything like that. I'm here to learn. So thanks. Yeah, Alan, we're going to spoil it for you. Jefferson does become president. Um, I like the book too, and I was really really happy that they did not make Jefferson out to be some sort of hero. He's Never been one of my favorite historical figures. I think he was a really good president, but I think he was a bit of a scumbag as a human being. He um, he was just incredibly in debt, and yet he would preach to other people about saving and being responsible. He After he died, I looked this up on Wikipedia just to double-check. Of course, Wikipedia isn't always the final answer, but... When um, his estate was sold, 130 slaves were sold of his. And that's just incredible for him not to at least have freed them on his death. Washington at least did that. And I know we can't 
fault him for things that were acceptable at that time. But he, you know, spoke so much about freedom and everything, he could have at least freed his slaves on his death, if nothing else. But he didn't even bother to do that. But I did really like the book. I thought it was really interesting. And Ladon gets credit for this book. He recommended it to me. And I kind of waited till we had a longer month to read it in. And um, it was well worth the wait. Yes, uh, when I stopped to think, um, how did Jefferson convince Sally and James to come back with him when they were free over there in, in France? But I thought, wow, what an amazing salesman he must have been. But I noticed that he said to Sally, uh, I will free your children when they become 21. He didn't say, our children but your children so I think that maybe in there uh, Sally's children may not always been his children although he did stay true to his word and he did free them all but Sally and yeah I have to agree with Sherry uh, I mean Thomas Jefferson was obviously brilliant and uh, but not only the slave issue but I think he had an issue when he let the the little head do the thinking for the big head, which apparently he did quite a bit. And uh, uh, I, I, I wasn't overly fond, fond of that. But he, he, I mean, he obviously did a lot for our country and stuff. But uh, uh, he was first and foremost a, a human being, and, and one of these guys that we're hearing about nowadays that, that are used to getting their way and stuff. So. Uh, uh, and 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 y'all are right. They did a good job of of not not sugarcoating him and making him him look like a like an angel and stuff, which he certainly wasn't. Uh, Michelle, you're right. It was the times. Uh, remember that Sally wouldn't leave him. She she would, I could see that. Uh, James, he made the deal: train somebody, and you can leave. And he did leave. And then we remember the 21 year old. I forget his name. Who was so skilled, and he he left. Sally didn't leave him. I, I would like uh, maybe um, somebody to enlighten me a little more. Also later, the struggle over the Jefferson Cemetery. The black Jeffersons wanted to be there. I think they let them. They just started doing DNA. That's what I remember, But that they could be buried in the Jefferson Cemetery. But at first, there was the black Jefferson Cemetery and the white one. And uh, that was good. I want to ask this question. How many do the women at that time make the guy swear never to marry? Is that, maybe I'll think about that with Ruth Ann if I oh, go first. Yeah. Uh, you may not marry or date or anything. I, I actually, we've talked about it and we say, you know, I hope you, whatever you want to do, my goodness. And the the thing, other thing was kind of awestruck me, is that a word? That, that men had absolute power when that girl m- married him. She gave everything of her, you know, everything. He had all the rights, Thomas, um, Randolph beat up Patsy. What could she do? Polly, was it Polly? The sister was killed by having babies. The guy, she was a broodmare. And Jack just kept having the babies and killed her. You know, and, and the other animal, what was his name that, that beat up, uh, oh, one of the girls, you guys will remember. And he really beat her up badly. And he says, what can she do about it? I'll kill her if I keep doing this. And uh, it was, so I, I really was made aware of that also. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, too, that this book didn't paint a rosy picture of being married at that time for women. But I hadn't thought about the point that the women made their men swear not to marry again, although I'm sure lots of them 
ignored that promise. It was kind of commendable of Jefferson, I suppose, not to pursue marrying again. In addition to Sally and, and her brother not staying in France, Patsy also caved. I mean, she was a young girl, but she really wanted William, and instead her father, selfishly, didn't let her follow her heart and made her come home with him and kind of, you know, I guess, wait on him and, you know, help him out and be his uh, hanger-on rather than getting what she wanted, which is certainly a shame. I did also, when I looked on Wikipedia, while I'm thinking of it, I want to mention this because I wish the author would have given us an epilogue. I looked it up, and Patsy died at age 64 in 1836, and she was back on the edge-something farm in Virginia, which was interesting because in the book, it sounded like she never wanted to go back to Virginia. For some reason, she did end up going back there, and William did outlive her. He didn't die till 1849. Yeah, I think there are so many really interesting issues that were brought up in this story. Um, you know, just the whole idea of, of women having no access to birth control. So at one point, Dolly Madison says to um, to Patsy, you know, about the idea of kind of, you know, letting your husband sleep with uh, slave women, I imagine, so that you don't continuously have to have children because she had 10 children. And surprisingly, it seemed like I think all of them survived because the, the rate of, of child, you know, death was so high at that time. I mean, Patsy's mother died in childbirth. Her sister Polly died in childbirth. Um, it, it was, it's, when you think about it, it's really an amazing way to, to go through life that so many people would die in childbirth. So many children would die at, at, at such young, you know, people would have large families and maybe six children and, you know, three of them might die before age five. So it's such, I mean, you know, we're all familiar with, with that, but I thought the story did really well about bringing that all out, um, and I think that Patsy kind of reasoned at different points that, um, you know, she was kind of happy that her father, I guess, didn't remarry in certain ways, although it might have been better for her if, if he did remarry because she was just shackled to him all the time and it, it got in the way of her, of her relationships. And I thought that William Short actually ended up having the last laugh because he ended up lending money to Thomas Jefferson when he was in financial trouble, as he always seemed to be, um, and he, Thomas Jefferson didn't want uh, Patsy to marry him because he didn't think that he would be successful enough. Instead, he wanted her to marry John Randolph, and, you know, so really, you know, William Short kind of had the last laugh, I think, in the end. Jefferson's wife wanted Jefferson to never marry because she had been a stepchild, and she and her mother didn't get along at all. And so she never wanted her children to have a stepmother. And that was the reason for that. It wasn't typical of that time, so it was just the way she wanted to be. One of the things that I was surprised and kind of delighted to learn was that Jefferson was tall, about six foot three inches tall, which was very tall for the time, and he had red hair. Of course, then Patsy had red hair, too, and she was tall, so I imagine that she was probably uh, right there at six feet tall, and that tall, long-legged, the whole, her, you know, was 
dominated her whole life that her stature. Well, okay, are we going to say then, uh, that's great, uh, you're right, you jo- jogged my memory, LaDon, thank you, on the stepchild thing. But what about Patsy's promise to Tom Randolph, who she really didn't love, I'll never marry again. And, of course, Mr. Short had the last laugh because he indiscreetly had a good time with Patsy, but they had to keep it indiscreet. But, you know, uh, so Mr. Short did have the last laugh. He was great, by the way. He was he was what he was, though. I mean, he went to bed with a lot of countesses and whatever, and Patsy would be horrified. But the man about town, you know, he wasn't married, and uh, there it goes. But he did save Jefferson's Monticello. I think, but Sally, if she just stayed in France, there would be nothing for her. I mean, the the the, the brother had a te- had a skill that was marketable. I guess she could have been a lady's maid or something. I don't know. But uh, and then with the revolution going on, I don't know how she had spared. There were some pretty tough times in Europe after that. Well, remember when the bro- the young man I forget his name left at twenty one? They said, "Get out of Virginia. There's no place for a free Negro in Virginia." I also wondered. What would happen to uh, Sally and Patsy had they stayed there? Because right there was the French Revolution. And it, what was it? The, ta- uh, the times of the Troubles? Was that what was followed when they were chopping everybody's head off? But uh, Sally could have uh, made a living all right because she was a lady's maid. And that was some pretty high demand. And you could li- work for some pretty well of families in those days and and you were a free woman I wonder through the revolution and that could that be worse than slavery but she became Jefferson's virtual wife they could not marry uh, in in those days but she was virtually uh, Jefferson's wife and while Jefferson had a few uh, girlfriends and, and he probably slept with them from time to time but he's never going to make any of them his, his wife and she carried all six of his uh, children then and uh, so I, I, I just wondered what would have happened to him but could have been worse than, than slavery well, but if Patsy had stayed in France, uh, Mr. Short, of course, wanted that assignment, but they aced him out. They didn't give it to him. And he was going to go to Newfoundland, wasn't he, or somewhere as, a, as an ambassador. And chief, that's what he offered her. Marry me and you'll travel Europe. We won't stay in France. But you're right. I don't know what would have happened with the revolution had, with, you know, with Patsy. But he was a, Jefferson was a grand manipulator, and he just would not let her you know, Mary, and then he, Tom Randolph, he liked, so he, he, okay, that, and Tom was crazy, and she said she loved him, I think it was because he was dying, because he, he was awful to her, he beat her up, he, he was a, um, Randolph with a temper, Edmund Randolph was a man of far more respect, Don's book on the Constitution shows that Randolph, where he was on, politically, but he was the governor, um, he was also the governor of Virginia, but the Randolphs, yeah, they dominated Virginia politics. But Tom was a real loser, in my opinion. Yeah, Tom was a real pig, that's for sure. I think um, had Patsy and Thomas Jefferson stayed in France, I mean, they were really down on aristocrats, and, you know, they would have been seen as aristocrats, but whether or not they would have respected them as being Americans. And the French Revolution did, in some 
in some way they copied the American ideals of a revolution. They wanted a republic and everything. Um, I happen to be taking a class right now on the French Revolution, and one of the things he pointed out is that we were lucky in our revolution that we had a lot of extremely intelligent people in charge who were making decisions and coming up with constitution and stuff. And the French, there wasn't anybody in charge of their revolution. It was just a, a mob. And whenever you have a mob in charge, that's the sort of thing that's going to happen. And as far as Sally, I think... You know, it's hard to say because of the power dynamics, but perhaps she fashioned herself, you know, extremely fond of, of Thomas Jefferson. Who knows? And it would be hard and intimidating to make a dramatic change like becoming independent when you're not used to it. And given the carrots that he dangled in front of her, it was probably not as tough of a choice as we'd like to think. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to judge because this was so, so many years ago. And, you know, I'm looking at it with, with a modern perspective. Why would anybody want to continue to be in slavery when they have the opportunity to, you know, to be free? But you have to look at it within the context of, of her age, which was young. She was like 14. But also, you know, this is what she knew. This was her life. Although she, I guess, could have looked around in France and saw that, that there were other alternatives. Um, but, you know, it, it is hard to, to make that. I think it might have been easier if they decided together, brother and sister, to petition to become free because at least they would have, have each other. Um, one thing that struck me, and I don't know if anybody else felt this way when they were reading the book, but here and there, I thought that the authors were putting some kind of modern psychology on, you know, that particular time period. Like at one point, um, Patsy calls Sally a whore. And I think when she found out that her father was, was sleeping with, with Sally. And I, I don't know, you know, at that time, did women call each other whores? Um, and, you know, and, and then the whole thing about, you know, sort of reasoning that, um, you know, her father was better off sleeping with Sally than remarrying. I guess that one made more sense to me because even Dolly Madison brought that up. And, and people could see you know, what happens, um, you know, that at a certain point women just don't want to endlessly have children and this was, there was no birth control. So, but the thing that really struck me was at one point Patsy tells Jack Epps that he should stay off of his wife Polly, who was her sister. And I don't know, it just struck me as very modern. Like, I don't know that a woman would have told her brother-in-law to stay off of her sister at that time. Um, and I don't even know that she would have told, that she would have called Sally Hemings a whore. So there were those kind of modern, I thought, modern touches in the story that I thought maybe were not consistent with the, with the time period. But I don't, I don't know, do you, do you feel that way or do you feel that that was, that was acceptable, you know, that that could have happened at that time? I certainly think that could have happened. I know that uh, women didn't talk like that in polite society, but women to women, especially in a fit of anger, could certainly do that. Was not not words that were not known to them. It's just that in polite society they spoke a little differently. And I did notice that throughout the book, Patsy only cursed in about three different places at all. Uh, and I thought that was uh, kind of like they would do. 
not they were the language that they used were very stilted and way different than the languages that we read you know what uh, we were reading were it was translated into modern you know modern day english i think that sally came home uh from uh france to be with her family her moms particularly they were evidently they were quite close down there living in the thing and she wanted to do that but i thought what a horrible life uh, not horrible what a tough life it might be to live uh, sally had 11 children Man, she seemed to spend most of her life having birth and raising babies. And then all the others that came to live there, too. My, she must have been busy. Of course, she did have a lot of servants to help her. Yeah, she did. I think um, in the inner circle, they they used to the women, a woman to woman. And Patsy was really angry, remember, and yeah, horse seems more modern, but slut certainly would have been there. And I could I could see a woman Dolly Madison probably used it. She was very much influenced this the ladies' circle. Even Jackson asked Patsy later, you know, calm these women down, you know. So yeah, I think it's possible that she called her at least a slut and maybe a whore. Harlot was in fashion then, so probably somebody could have used the word harlot. Um, I noticed that David and Liz both had their hands up a couple of times and haven't gotten in. So if you guys wanted to say something, go for it. When uh, Patsy asked uh, her sister's husband to say off of her, I was wondering, did you think that was fair of Patsy to say that? I mean, after all, she was a husband. What else was she to do except to take a slave? And she sure didn't think that was what she wanted to do but when she asked her to do that I thought to my way of thinking that might have been a little uh, unfair of her to ask although it was awfully dangerous for her to become another mother I think overall Patsy was pretty unconventional I mean she was used to being uh, essentially the mother of all of her sisters and um, kind of like uh, a surrogate wife, not in an inappropriate way, but, you know, like the first lady. She she had a lot of power and, and influence, and I, I think that she was unconventional. Perhaps, you know, a lady who didn't really have any other station in life other than to be a lady wouldn't have said all those things or wouldn't have... But you know, I, I can totally see... Um, I'm sorry, I just blanked. I can totally see uh, <laughs> Patsy being so concerned for her sister because she loved her sisters um, and telling her husband stay off her you know find some other you're, you're going to kill her yeah, makes total sense to me yeah I think that she I agree with Liz I think that uh, she was very concerned about her sister she saw her getting thinner and thinner and yet having babies and told them you know stay off of her in other words get a slave do whatever you got to do you know but uh, leave her alone and I think and I don't know if Sally would know what a harlot was. I, I, you're right, harlot could be used. Shakespeare, I guess, used it. But um, with Sally, I guess you get the idea, though, what she's calling her. Yeah, I, I agree with Liz as well. I, I actually applauded her when she said that to Jack Epps. I was like, you know, you go, girl, kind of, um, because I, I thought, you know, she was trying to protect her sister. Her sister couldn't really seem to protect herself. 
So she was trying to do that. I just thought it was too modern. I said to myself, I don't know at that time if a woman would say this to her brother-in-law. If it was, it was just, you know, I, I just didn't think she, I just, it struck me as, as a little modern. I'm not saying that she didn't say it and it didn't happen. I don't know. But that was just, just my feeling. Um, there were a lot of, you know, a lot of men in this story. There, there was like a whole range of male characters, I thought. There's Thomas Jefferson, of course, and William Short, who was uh, his secretary and her, her suitor, I guess, and John Randolph, who was her husband, and Jack Epps, who was married to Polly, and Jeff Randolph, who was um, Patsy's son, and then Charles Bankhead, who I think is the one that Bob mentioned earlier, who was married to her daughter, I think, and boy, was he a, a really horrible character. Um, what did you think of all the men in the story, Thomas Jefferson and William Short and John Randolph and Jack Epps and Jeff Randolph and Charles Bankhead? Did you like sort of the whole range of, of male characters in the story, you know, like from good to kind of evil? Or did you have a favorite male character that you liked in the story? Uh, I was kind of... Um interested in the stories that the newspapers were writing about Jefferson, that uh, he was dead at one point, and all kinds of other salacious things, and then they wrote about uh, Sally, and he said the paper, in, in actual fact, not in the book, but in actual fact, he said the papers were damn liars, and uh, he denied all that stuff, of course, crazy, and I thought, well, you know, fake news, nothing new about that. I did like the men in the story. I particularly like uh, Short. Uh, he, uh, although he never got married, and I kind of was a little sad about that. Not that everybody has to get married, but I thought thought that it, his life wasn't completely fulfilled. And Patsy held in her mind and in her heart all these years, even especially since her husband was. A disappointment to her, an alcoholic, and they uh, separated in the end, that she held in her heart something special for him. But I think sometimes maybe we do hold uh, sweethearts that we may have had early, early in our lives might be a special place there. Although if we would ever meet them again, we may not have the same affection for them, our own, as uh, as uh, Patsy did there for Short uh, when he come back into her life. But anyway, I did I did like him, and he was ambitious, but he was loyal to Thomas Jefferson too, even all through life when he loaned the money and everything. Uh, he was just a pretty decent person. Well, uh, I, uh, I certainly William Short. It was just great and very gentle with Patsy. She was very young. He was like 30 and she's 17 or something. Um, but the worst one, I guess, in my book was Charles Bankhead. Thank you for giving me the name. He was absolutely awful. He killed Anne, killed the daughter, and boasted about it, boasted about what he would do. And he was he was really bad. Tom, I had a ment- it was a mental case, uh, you know, and he did work hard in the fields. But he, um, oh, you guys forgot about it. Was it Colonel Randolph? Horrible man. Horrible man. Cuts Tom out of the will. And uh, the sisters are all in a mess. The Tom's sisters and uh, Patsy took them all in. They kept coming in, you know, Nancy and all these guys. But um, uh, Colonel Randolph, oh, my goodness. He and Charles Bankhead are pretty close to being the worst guys. 
Yeah, thank you for mentioning Colonel Randolph because it was so interesting to me that he left his estate to his two-year-old son, but then he left his debts to John Randolph. I was like, how is that possible? You know, he, he, he leaves all of his debts to his son, but he leaves his fortune to his other son. I thought, uh, you know, I mean, it, it just struck me as just a crazy, crazy way to do to do an estate. Um, and I remember last time, David, you mentioned that you really enjoyed the part of the story that was in France. Um, do you remember what it was about that part of the story that you particularly enjoyed? I think it was just the idea of watching the the French people teetering on the verge. They didn't know what was about to happen. The Ancien Régime was still in its very decadent, polished mode. I liked when um, Polly, no, Patsy, was at the Pontéon, the, the, I think it's called, that was that convent, and she was really getting into it, and uh, Thomas Jefferson was getting freaked, so he took her shopping, and it kind of distracted her from wanting to become a nun. And I know people might find it odd that she would want to become a nun, but looking back, the abbess, the mother superior, had power in that were in that setting she was regarded you know by french people as a religious woman so she had a status that she would not have had simply being married under the control of a man perhaps patsy was curious about that and you were talking um sherry sherry was talking about the um french revolution they really did go crazy. They renamed the months. They turned the week into 10 days. They divided the day into 10 equal hours, the hours into units of 10s. Everything got decimalized. The only thing we have left from that, though, is the metric system. They um, got rid of religion. They started the calendar over. Yeah, they were, they really did go crazy. Um, I thought it was interesting, Michelle mentioned the debts. Um, they made a point in this story of saying that these, what we would consider wealthy landowners, were really in poverty and did have a lot of debt, which is interesting because they had free labor to do all the work for them and manage all the fields, and it's not like they spent a lot of money to take care of their slaves. I mean, the slaves made their own clothes. Most plantation owners allowed the slaves to have small gardens so they grew their own food. So it's not like these plantation owners were, you know, paying to support the slaves, and yet they were still poor. And you just kind of wonder how that happened. Well, one man, Jefferson, uh, entertained everybody. Anybody that came, he'd throw lavish dinners. Not, I don't mean just, uh, you know, politicos, but if you came to visit him, we want to see Monticello or whatever. And he'd say, okay, let's sit down for dinner. And he lived in high style. And some of those planters, you know, did. Uh, and they they uh, remember that also they're dependent on the crop, the weather. The weather's bad, and they don't get a crop that year. So I can see where many of the landowners, yes, they had free labor, you're right. But uh, they had a little bit of upkeep, and that's why they sold slaves to get quick money. I'm not excusing it. That was just the time. Well, Thomas Jefferson, I think, was always remodeling his house. He had all these grand plans for his for Monticello, and I think till the day he died, he was remodeling it. So he probably spent a fortune doing that. I don't think he was a particularly good businessman either. Um, it doesn't seem like it. He doesn't seem. He I mean he seemed, he was obviously very very intelligent man, you know, very learned, very book smart. But I don't think he was really business smart and. 
you know, I, I can see, despite having slave labor, I can still see people running into into financial problems, especially with these large properties and large homes and, you know, taking care of these large families and whatever. I, I think I, I was trying to figure out if I thought Thomas Jefferson came across as sympathetic in the story. Um, I, I tried tried hard to see him in a more sympathetic way. Um, I was trying to think, had, was he, had he been a good husband to, to Martha? Was he a good father um, to, um, to Patsy? I, I don't know. I mean, I think he tried to be supportive to her and her children when he saw that she was running into problems uh, being married to John Randolph. I don't think he felt guilty that he kind of pushed her into this marriage and maybe she would have been happier with William Short. Um, but I think he did feel, you know, some responsibility to, to take her out of a difficult situation and bring her into his home. Um, I, I wouldn't say he was the worst father. Um, you know, he, he obviously had a great impact on her life, and her life would have been very, very different, I think, had she had a different father. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, with Sally Hemings... I imagine Sally Hemings being Martha's half-sister. I mean, they had a father in common, probably looked a lot like his wife. Um, and that may have, you know, they said at one point in the story that her voice sounded very similar, that Patsy noticed that Sally's voice sounded very similar to her mother's voice. So there might have been some sort of similarity in how they appeared and how they sounded as well. Um, so I don't think he came across as unsympathetic in this story. Um, and I probably felt a little bit more sympathy towards him than I did previously, I would say. Well, we, we're going to disagree here, Michelle. What saddened me, because I think Jefferson was brilliant, probably along with, with uh, Franklin, a very intelligent you know, man. He, he was a scientist. I won't go over everything he did. I don't think it showed him sympathetically that, you know, if, if from our time, uh, he wasn't a great, he manipulated his daughter. She was virtually in a prison at Monticello and he would lay guilt. He broke up her, her marriage. She would have made it with Mr. Short. She would have traveled Europe and, and maybe be, when he became president, he'd give Mr. Short a good ambassadorship or whatever. And, and Short made money, although uh, kind, kind of tricky, but he made it. Let's put it that way. Um, so, um, no, it shows the true, you know, you tend to put these guys on pedestals. Okay. But it shows that Jefferson was human. Okay. So, uh, he did support his children. He did try, but he was a very terrible businessman. He would, uh, you know, he would, uh, basically, uh, but what he wanted, he got, he would manipulate it. He would lay guilt on you. He would do whatever. And I was, I was. You know, he, he did he ruin Patsy's life? That's the question. Think about it. Okay, she couldn't marry Mr. Short. She marries Tom Randolph, who beats her. You know, the whole deal. She became a, uh, Jefferson's hostess. By the way, he wore bedroom slippers when he was hosting state dinners or whatever. And she hosted as she could. I think she did more than the book shows there. But, uh, no, I, I, I'm saddened because I'm less sympathetic. But I believe that we needed Thomas Jefferson very, very much for nothing else but the Declaration of Independence. Thank you. Well, I think that Jefferson was pretty used to living high on the hog. Uh, I read elsewhere 
uh, all of the things that he loaded on the boat to come back when he came back from France. It's just astounding how many cases of things he had acquired. And of course, he gave all of those parties and and people could come in and visit him. And in those days, when he was president, he was responsible for paying uh, for those kind of things out of his own purse. And after being president, there was no uh, kind of payment from the government to him, no retirement of any kind. It's not like today when a man can be president and leave the presidency and then become rich writing books. He had to live on the money that he came from that came from his own creativity. But he did live awfully high on the hog and uh, was you know like a royalty, but not not royal in in that sense. And he was responsible for doubling the size of the United States. Um, well, first of all, welcome, Joshua. It's nice to have you here. Um, yeah, do, do you think that she made a mistake, Patsy, in not ending up with William Short? Because I, I think she did. I mean, I, I know that she had loyalty to her father, and she was worried about her reputation and how everything would be perceived. But I, I don't know. I... Not that I'm, I'm not especially a romantic person by nature, but I really wanted her to end up with him. I just thought it was, it was kind of a love match, and I know they didn't end up in the beginning of the story, but at the end, I, I thought, why shouldn't she be with him? He's been such a good friend to her. He's been there for her. He's helped her family. You know, why shouldn't she, why shouldn't she be with him? And I was, I was sad that she, that she didn't end up with him at the end. Absolutely, she made a mistake. We have a friend, not as close anymore, but she told us once, I should have married, you know, the guy, because she lived an old maid's life. She had a job. She was underemployed. This guy loved her, and she said no. So, But that's not the first mistake any of us will make, you know. So I think she did, but, of course, it would change the course of history. I mean, would Mr. Short let her continue to live there and, and be, uh, you know, his host, his second wife, I doubt it. He would have seen through it and uh, had whisked her off to Europe or wherever. But, yeah, I, I believe uh, it's clear-cut that, I, I, well, maybe someone disagrees, but uh, Jefferson really manipulated her. I don't care. He, I don't think she should have stayed in the convent. She was young, and she should see the world a little bit. But he made her feel guilty, took her shopping to distract her. He was jealous. Uh, and yet he, I, I don't know, I'm so sorry. I wish that his, if they'd have stuck to his philosophy of government. And he wasn't the great president. Remember the Embargo Act 2000, and, uh, 2000 uh, 17 or 1808? He was very unpopular when he left office. He made, you know, we, we're leading us into Mr. Madison's War, the War of 1812. Um, yeah, so many things have been said. Uh, I think Thomas Jefferson... It was really just selfish in in the way he just kept Patsy to kind of, you know, to bolster him up and to, to help his career. I wonder about William Short, though, because if, if you think about it, didn't he end up spending his life kind of dating a lot of married women and having affairs like this? So even though he was this kind of... 
he's kind of like a player, you know, really charming, really attractive. Women were definitely attracted to him and fell in love with him, but he, he didn't seem to really... He seemed to love Patsy for sure, but I wonder if he might have hurt her had she tried to be married to him. I wonder if he would have been able to curtail his appetite for those unavailable challenges. Um, that's just what I thought. But I wonder if anybody, because toward the end, when I think it was Ellen, wasn't it? Ellen was um, Patsy's favorite daughter, and nobody wanted Ellen to leave because Ellen helped Patsy so much. And it's been a while since I finished the book, but didn't didn't her father kind of say, "Don't do to her what I did to you"? I mean, in, in no other words, but wasn't there some kind of reckoning that he kind of wished that he hadn't have put her in the position that she may be putting Ellen in? And, and anyway, Patsy was like, "That's what gave Patsy, you know, to tell Ellen to go ahead and marry." Um, clear me up if I got all that wrong, okay? Because again, it, it's that's how I'm remembering it, but it might not be correct. It's been a long time since I read the book, too, and I don't really remember that, but I thought that Jefferson made a mistake, too, and, you know, he kept Patsy really for his ego and his benefit, and I was disappointed that he got in between her and William Short, and she was never able to marry him. I don't know. Maybe... Had he been able to marry her, he might have been, because he would have been happier. He obviously loved loved Patsy, so I don't know. I hope he wouldn't have continued dating other women, married women, and having affairs if, if he could have married Patsy. And we'll never know, but maybe that was why he did it, because he just was so discontent, you know, he, he couldn't have Patsy for his wife. Who knows? Well, of course, first, he was unmarried, so he could do what he wished. Now, if he married Patsy, would he have still done it? I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I it could be. And she handled it or, or didn't. You know, I'm trying to think of Tom Randolph. He was kind of crazy. But I, I don't think he did anything with other women. But there's a guy named Kennedy when Jackie got married or was going to get married, the girls sat her down, the sisters, and said, this is the way the Kennedy boys operate. Take it or leave it. And uh, so it's happened through the generations. Yeah, I, it, I think Liz makes a good point. It's hard to say if he would have continued that lifestyle or not. Although perhaps Patsy would have preferred to have a cheating husband than a violent husband. So who knows? Um, another bit of trivia I meant to mention earlier is Patsy's youngest son, George, when he was older, was briefly the Secretary of War for the Confederacy during the Civil War. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and I, I noticed LaDon has his hand up, but Don Queen's been trying to talk for quite a while. So, Don, if you want to put your hand up after LaDon, you know, you can have your, your say. Yeah, I, I thought that his relationship, William Short, with um, the Duchess, I think it was, I thought it was just a reflection of, like, how the French aristocracy behaved. I think they were, like, a little freer, and um, they had a different attitude towards, I mean, she was, I think she was married, and they just had a different kind of attitude towards marriage, and 
and family life, I think, than, than they did in the United States. And I think it was, I thought some of it was just a reflection of his, of his time living in France. Um, I don't remember if he continued this pattern once he came back to the United States. Maybe he did. Um, but I, I thought he would have been um, a good husband to Patsy only because he just seemed so devoted to her for all the years. I mean, there was no reason for him to keep coming back and visiting her, a married woman with 10 children, unless he really, really loved her. So I, I, I guess I, got, I had sort of had faith in him. And I think Liz is right. I think they talked about, um, you know, because Patsy had 10 children and she had her favorite Ellen and Ellen wanted to marry a gentleman who lived in Boston, but she didn't want to leave her mother and she didn't want to leave her grandfather. And then there was uh, Virginia, Ginny, who was younger than Ellen and she was going to have a love match. So they, it, it, a lot of times it's that pattern that repeats over and over, you know, um, and so they encouraged her to marry, you know, the gentleman from Boston whose name is escaping me so that she really would have, you know, a, a family life and she wouldn't feel like she had to stay in Virginia, you know, with her mother and her grand, grandfather. I don't know if it was because he was president. It was such an unusual circumstance. Um, I don't know if, if uh, Patsy had had a different father, if this would have been as she would have felt the same pressure, maybe. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, actually. I think that sometimes we put our heroes on pedestals and think of them as, as so special. But sometimes a book like this can raise the curtain and we can see behind there and into families and see there's troubles in every family. And I thought it was interesting to see all the troubles in this family that we never hear about uh, the husbands that beat beat their wives and have the slaves for uh, wives and um, so there were murders murders in the family you know everything it was, it's just a screwed up family just like so many families you know maybe even mine some a little bit and all of that and I just thought that uh, even though I thought the authors did an awfully good job of staying to the uh, ev events that we can really know about she created she created a life that we could look back there and see how things uh, really might have been at one point when um, Patsy's husband uh, knocked her down and uh in a fit of anger, and then she, when she was getting up, uh, I thought, I thought that, uh, of course, Arthur could not know that uh, that that happened, but she really did create something in the style of what was what was actually going on, what was felt by people in the times when Patsy was getting up. She was thinking, "Well, I deserved that." Yeah, I'm going to yield to Don. Yeah, she was a battered wife. You get the battered wife syndrome. And I'm going to yield to Don Queen. Don? Well, it's been... I, I was thinking of what, can, uh, about the uh, visiting the two, George Washington and, uh, Ma, and uh, Jefferson's place. And, uh, you know, George, of course, he married a lot of money. So, but but he, he made money, too. So he was well off. He was a much better administrator. And uh, Jefferson was c criticized a lot for his governorship of Virginia when the... Uh, Tarleton came up with the troops, British troops, uh, and he, uh, they, this story kind of gave a much more sympathetic uh, 
picture of that. They had to run away. But, uh, you know, at least Madison stayed in Washington and tried to fight the British when the British came. <laughs> and instead of just running and hide, they didn't arrange any militia or anything in preparation. So I, I, I don't know. But this book did give a better, better excuse for what Jefferson was doing when they, he was governor. Yeah, I, I I know we're coming upon the hour, so I, I I pretty soon I'll mention what the next book is. But um, I did want to just mention that I did like the appearances of Abigail Adams and Dolly Madison in the story. Um, I liked that Abigail Adams helped Patsy get her wardrobe in France. I thought, you know, that's nice. You know, she doesn't have a mother, and she steps in and she kind of helps her you know, get herself organized. And Dolly Madison helped her sort of navigate the, the Washington scene when they were in, in Washington. Um, and one character I don't think we mentioned too much was um, Patsy's husband, John Randolph, and how angry he was all the time and how he, he felt that, you know, Thomas Jefferson was a better man than him and could take care of his family better. And he just made everybody's life miserable, and he just was so angry and so upset and, and violent, striking her. He was just such a, a miserable, <laughs> miserable husband. Um, and then somehow he got elected to Congress, and, you know, it just shows you it's, it's not always what you know, it's who you know, um, because he ended up having, uh, you know, a political career and all kinds of other stuff, but he was really a, privately just a miserable, miserable person. Yeah, John Randolph, it was, that was Tom you're describing. John was a crazy man too. He went to Congress. He hated the Jeffersons and gave them a lot of, a lot of promises, I remember. But Tom, yeah, he went crazy. And Patsy might have said, I deserve that. Again, the battered wife syndrome. You get beat up enough. Look at Anne. Anne said, I've got to go back to him. And, they, and Jefferson said, no, stay here. And she sneaked out and went back to him. Uh, Randolph, uh, Patsy's husband uh, did become governor, and and I think he said did some pretty good stuff for the for the state. And um, but he was an alcoholic, you know. And as time goes on, the alcohol just took over his life completely, and he ended up pretty much uh, nothing. And of course, he battled his own feelings of inferiority uh, because things that he tried just didn't turn turn out. He, d- he did have some pretty bad luck. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, I noticed what Don was saying, too, that I had always heard that Jefferson was really branded a coward for running away at the beginning there, what they describe in this book, and um, they were a little more sympathetic. Um, Michelle mentioned earlier if we had any sympathy for him, and I I couldn't muster up any, although I came into the book already not liking him. I do think he did a lot of great things for the country, and I'm glad he was there for the country, but I certainly wouldn't have wanted him as a relative, I don't think. He, um, He didn't even try to make a go of it. He just continued to go into debt and never had to pay his debt. He's Thomas Jefferson, who isn't going to give him credit if he wants something. I was wondering, Don, if you found anything else in the book that you felt was inaccurate or misleading at all. I didn't get clear through it, but no, I, I so far I haven't found anything at, at, that, at that time. As far as uh, Jefferson being branded as a coward, 
leaving Monticello when uh, they were being attacked, uh, I think his political enemies are the ones that said that and not necessarily his friends. And when you look back at it, what good would it have done anyway had he been captured by the the British? It was sure saved us a pretty decent president, although he may not have been all of that great uh, in other ways, but he was a pretty... Uh, good thing and what well, and what would it have done and like I say it was his political enemies that raised the question of him being a coward when he did not stand and fight the British who was coming well that's a really excellent point Ladon I mean it wouldn't have really done any good I think the thing is at that time in history it was considered the thing to do for a man to stay and fight even though like like George Bush for 9-11 some people gave him flack for not being back in Washington D.C. and what could he you know as much as I might not have liked George W. Bush what could he have done I mean it made sense for him not to be there and he wasn't a coward and and that's a really good point Ladon it really wouldn't have made any difference but um, at the time yeah it probably was mostly his enemies that branded him that way I will only say in conclusion that if we think campaigns today are tough, and maybe they are because of social media, they, the, the newspapers were awful all the way through, you know, uh, Lincoln compared to a gorilla and all kinds of stuff. And Mary, they blasted Mary Lincoln, and uh, all of them got it. So it was very vicious attacks on Jefferson. Well, one of the things Jefferson did, and it wasn't in this book, is he paid a reporter to write a lot of really awful stuff about John Adams. And he paid this guy to do it, just make up stuff. It was incredible, some of the ugly things that were written about Adams. And then somehow it got out, and Jefferson blamed the reporter, so the reporter really turned on him, and uh, the tables were turned quite nicely. I was going to say that, too. I think even Jefferson wrote some uh, pretty nasty things about Adams, and but he wrote them under another name so they wouldn't know who it was. So, boy, political battles were pretty pretty tough back there then, just as they are today. Yeah, it's really interesting when you read about how they used to sign, like they would say they would sign it a friend, or like they didn't really use their, their real names. And there were a couple of mentions of that in the story. There was one... Uh, mentioned that about Thomas Jefferson and his relationship with Sally Hemings that was appearing in the newspaper, and Thomas Jefferson didn't take the opportunity to deny it. Um, and then there was another part where they talked about one of his law professors had fathered a child by a slave, and he wanted to leave the estate to the slave, but instead um, his nephew killed him, and since there were no black people allowed on the juries and no black people were allowed to testify, he was acquitted. So, you know, there was definitely, there were scandals and there were things talked about in the newspaper. Um, you know, I think, how, how could you not know, you know, these things that, that were going on? Um, and, um, you know, it, it shows you sometimes they appeared in the newspaper as well. And yet he and John Adams became friends through the letters they wrote back and forth and died Hours apart, 1826, on July 4th, I believe. And so there, you, there's history. That's why it's so wonderful to study. The last thing I have to say uh, about the book uh, is that uh, well, I was wondering if this is really what Patsy uh, felt about uh, Sally and so forth. But there's no way we could really know that except that we know from history that 
after Patsy sold all the slaves to pay off the bill that uh, her husband, uh, uh, I mean her father, uh, owed, she never sold Sally and she freed Sally. Patsy freed Sally. And then uh, Sally went and lived with her two brothers the rest of her life and Patsy lived uh, to be 64. And Sally died at uh, age 62, which was two years before that. And so uh, I bet they kind of knew about one another all, all through their lives. But the fact that Patsy freed Sally says a lot of to me about that this uh, attitude that the, the authors took up here were probably more fact and fiction. Oh, that's beautiful, yes. Yeah. And uh, maybe they loved or respected, loved each other from a distance because they both loved Jefferson. It could be. That, that's very interesting to think about. Okay. And I want to only say one more thing in defense of the father of our country. When he died, he gave his slaves their freedom and paid him a pension, which went up to 18, in the 40s, 1840s, they got a pension. Some of them died off, probably maybe all of them. But that's commendable, at least. George Washington did other things as a land grabber and all kinds of stuff, but he also did great things for the country. I just wanted to say that this book has inspired me to go ahead and read the, the novel that was referenced in this book, Sally Hemings. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see from her point of view, or at least it's, as it's presented in this novel, um, what she thinks of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that should be interesting. One of the interesting things about Washington freeing his slaves is he freed them upon his wife Martha's death, and he died first. So you got to wonder if Martha was kind of nervous um, because the slaves all knew that they would have their freedom when she died. Uh, I believe uh, he freed his slaves, but he didn't free Martha's. She didn't like the idea at all, that's what I heard. Well, um, I'm just going to mention our next book for, for next time. Um, usually we don't read two historical fictions in a row. It just kind of worked out that way. But this is a completely different time period, completely different country. Um, so the book that we're going to read for uh, Friday, March 2nd, um, is called The Architect's Apprentice. And the author is Alif Shafrak. I, I will spell her name. It is E-L-I-F, is a leaf, and it's S, I'm sorry, S-H-A-F-A-K. So her name is Alif Shafrak, and the DB number is 83286. It's 83286. Um, so who, who is Alif Shafrak, right? I've, I've recently become a, acquainted with her. Um, I, she is a, um, a, an author who lives currently in Britain, but she's actually lived all around the world. And she, her, her family history is from Turkey. And she writes a lot of stories that take place in Turkey. And Turkey is certainly a, a real hotbed of, um, of a lot of stuff is going on, on now in Turkey. And she's a very well-known um, human rights advocate She's a very well-known feminist. Um, she was actually put on trial um, in Turkey for one of her books that she wrote pre before this book called The Bastard of Istanbul. Um, 
And I, I read this book a couple of months ago, and I, I just really loved it. It's set in the Ottoman Empire, so it's many hundreds of years ago, completely different, um, uh, you know, uh, location and time period. And it's, it's an interesting time because at that time, Muslim people, Christian people, Jewish people, they all lived in the same place. And, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was a, an interesting time in history. I don't know that much about the Ottoman Empire, so I, I found the book really interesting. Um, so I hope that you'll all, you'll all try it. Um, the, the title is The Architect's Apprentice. The author is Alif Shafrak. It's E-L-I-F, and it's S-H-A-F-A-K, and the DB number is 83286. And how many hours is it, please? Um, I put the information up in the chat window. If people want to hit F9, they can cut and paste it. Yes, the book is about 16 hours, um, so it's a little shorter than our previous book. Um, and um, if you're interested in listening to her actually speak um, about Turkey and all the issues that she's interested in, I found a couple of podcasts um, on the computer. Um, they're both from the UK. Um, one is a, a program, a really popular program. They are called Hard Talk. And the other is another popular program called Desert Island Disc. Um, so if you Google her name and then Hard Talk Podcast, or Alif Shafrak and Desert Island Disc. I'm sure you can locate it, or you could. I could always, you know, send you the link if if you having any problems uh, locating it. Um, but it, it's really interesting to hear her talk about human rights and talk about her feelings about Turkey and what it's like to to have lived in Turkey and to live outside of Turkey. Um, even though this book takes place in the Ottoman Empire, there's a lot of interesting issues that, that, that come up in it. So hopefully you'll, you'll try it and, and you'll enjoy it. 